0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be going up into the Salt and Light attic and bringing down some of our favorite conversations from early 2016. First, we speak with Sebastian Gomes about the new Salt and Light TV book show, Subject Matters, and we meet singer-songwriter from Australia, Maria Pineda. In our second half hour, we speak with Diana von Glan about her TV travel series about the Holy Land, and we catch up with Father Robert Gallia. Be sure to listen to all our programs on demand at saltandlighttv.org radio and contact me via Facebook or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. We begin now with Subject Matters. I know that some people say that no one is reading books anymore, but I disagree. Well, at least I'm still reading books, and I know that our next guest is still reading books. Sebastian Gomes has spent the last couple of months reading a lot, and he's working on a new TV show about books. But Subject Matters is not your typical book show, and to tell us all about it, Here now is Sebastian Gomes. Sebastian, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Great to be here. You're here every week uh, on Connect Five, but today we're going to do Connect Ten. So, subject matters: um, a book, a show about books. Why? Why do you say that books are unique? I mean, I think I get it, but what what do you mean when you say that they're unique?
1: Yeah. I mean, the whole, the, the idea for the show basically came out because we used to have a book show here yes. at Salt and yeah, Light, actually. Um, and it kind of faded off. And uh, you know, I, I've been saying for a couple of years now, we should revive this because there's mm-hmm. so many great books out there. Yeah. Even though, uh, you know, a lot of people may not be reading books anymore. They're reading a lot of eBooks or getting all their content yeah, yeah, online. Yeah. Uh, books are still really important, and you know they're still being published. And some of the most um, amazing um, ideas and experiences and stories are communicated through books till today. So we wanted to be able to to highlight that. And to be honest, there's a ton of great oh, Catholic books. There are, books yeah, there are. But that, that need to be featured.
0: I, I, well, I think that when you say that books are unique, though, you're talking specifically about that that format, yes. that medium. Yes. So what is it unique about? that, like you're not talking about downloading a book onto my tablet, right? Right, right.
1: Well, if you think about, I mean, a book is a communication, a medium for communication. Yeah. And if you think about the mediums for communication today, uh, they're all digital, technological, you know, and they're developing all the time. And they're often based on, on 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 fads or fashions. Like there'll be a piece of technology that comes out and it's the most amazing, greatest thing ever. And then, you know, a couple of yeah, years yeah, from yeah. now, it's completely irrelevant. Like the first generation iPhone or iPod. Yes. You know, if you looked at that now, you'd be like, what is this from the Stone Age? Exactly. You know? And nobody's using it anymore. Now, yeah. a book, though, is totally different because it's a medium for communicating ideas that's been around for as long as human history. Yes. I mean, we only know human history through... Writings uh-huh. through, you know, uh, human beings expressing themselves in words and in pictures, yeah. Uh, and some of those things have been preserved, you know. So, um, uh, what we know about the ancient worlds—not only the religious worlds, but also, yeah. you know, the pagan worlds yeah. and different things—are all, you know, manuscripts and texts that have survived through the ages. Uh, because they've been copied and written uh, by different uh, individuals, and so it's it's kind of the medium that has withstood the test of time. Yeah, uh, books have uh, have are That's as true. As, a, as old as human history itself. It's true. I know I, I have books that belong to my grandmother, to my
0: great grandparents. You know, it's just they're they're great. Um, I- is there something though about books that is specific to our Catholic tradition though?
1: Yeah, you know, we often think about the Catholic Church as uh, the Church of the Great Tradition. Yeah. We're, we're kind of seen by other people. We understand ourselves, and we're seen by others, other Christians and, and mm-hmm. non Christians, as people who uh, um, put a lot of emphasis on tradition. We value tradition, mm-hmm. and you know, and because we're the we're the Church of the Apostolic Tradition, yeah, we can yeah, trace yeah. our roots, you know, through the bishops all the way back right to the apostles, yeah. and that's really important for us. Uh, so yeah, books have played a huge role in um, the transmission of the faith and the preservation of our uh-huh. faith, uh-huh. and that it, that's that's really amazing because if you look at a lot of the books that we have from previous eras, mm-hmm. it's because of the church that they've been preserved. It's yeah. because they're a part of our religious history because of our our christian history
0: yeah not just religious books but even secular history has been preserved because of the church absolutely absolutely and
1: and you know and you think about you know what what what's apart from tradition itself what's the other really valuable thing to us as christians the gospels the scriptures which are books you know the bible itself the bible isn't a book the bible is a library yeah of course uh you know so it's a it's a it's a whole history of salvation that's been uh, preserved through the story of the Jewish people, and then yeah. about Jesus mm-hmm. and about the apostles in the early church, and uh, so as much as you know, we're, we're we're a church of tradition. We're also a church of of uh, storytelling preservation, yeah. uh, and that's really important. That's true. And Jesus Christ is the Word. There's there's something there, I'm yeah, sure. That's right. Um, so tell us about subject
0: matters. You saying it's not your typical book show. Why? What's different about it?
1: Well, it was really important for us to uh, to make the show uh, visually rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, in my opinion, reading a book can be a really rich experience, yeah. enriching experience. If it's a good book. <laughs> if it's a good book. No, not every book is really good. But <laughs> we only pick good books yes, on the show, absolutely. by the way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. Um, yeah, no, for me, I mean, when we are, side note, when we are picking the books, I always want to make sure the books are first relevant, that yeah. they're talking about something that matters to people. Uh-huh. And they're also readable in the sense yeah. of accessible. Okay. So anybody yes. can pick it up and say, yes, this is a subject that matters. Yeah, that's and, important. And yeah. yes, I can read it. Yeah. I can get through it, and, and it's going to make a difference uh, yeah. in my life. You uh-huh. know? Um, but for me, it was important to make the, make the show visually rich because mm-hmm. reading a book can be a rich experience. So that's what we did. We approached a local uh, bookstore downtown here in the financial district in downtown Toronto, uh, that's been here, I think since about 2007. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful place. Ben McNally books. You got to check it out. If you're ever in t- any yeah. of our listeners are in Toronto ever, make sure you go there. It's on Bay street, right in the heart of the financial district, but it's really beautiful. And he, you know what it feels like when you go in there, it feels like you're walking into a dining room on the Titanic. Yeah. You know, it's got true. like the chandeliers and the wood paneling and the paneling trim and, the yeah, trim and everything. True. It's really, it's true. really I never beautiful. I thought of that. Yeah really beautiful. And so and and that was all intentional when he had the architect design and create that. It was specifically for people walking in off the street away from the hustle and bustle of mm-hmm. downtown Toronto and then experiencing something totally different as far as atmosphere goes. Mm-hmm. And it's just a place for people to stop in uh you know, browse books, buy books, but it's a totally different feel than what's yeah. happening outside the store and I wanted that for the show. Uh-huh. So when you watch the show, you see this spectacular bookstore setting that we're in and uh it, it really complements nicely the content that we're talking about about the book because the content is so rich visually it's so rich so right. it's, it's a wonderful viewing experience
0: so in on on the website the the show is described as a response as a reminder a response and a reminder what, right. what is that what do you mean by that
1: <laughs> well a response because uh you know i don't i don't think books get enough play Uh So there's a need, you know, there's a need to promote books and there's a need to, to encourage people to take books seriously. again. they're, they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, something I mentioned, they've, they've withstood the test of time. So as much as we develop technologically, there's something really, really wonderful and unique about sitting with a hard copied book and, and immersing yourself in the world of the book. And that's a, that's a human connection that's being made there. So mm-hmm. it's not something that's going to die just because we have the latest generation yeah. iPhone tablet or tablet or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so a response to say, hey, look, books are still relevant mm-hmm. and they're still going to be around for a long time. Um, a reminder of that. Yes. Uh, and, and then the response because uh, uh, of the technology that we put into the show okay. and the elegance and the intentionality of everything that we put in the show visually. Uh, because we wanted something that was going to be really high class and meet people's expectations for professionalism, for something visually rich, as I said, something that they're actually willing to sit down and watch.
0: Right, right. So it's visually rich because the books are rich, but it's visually rich because it's good television. Exactly. Which are two completely different things, Exactly. I guess. Um, so, okay, so tell me a little bit about who these authors are, who, what kind of books are you featuring?
1: We feature a ton of different books, and I insisted from the very beginning that we don't only look at Catholic books. We mm-hmm. have to be able to, look, as Catholics, okay. we have to be able to look at right, that's books on know. politics, yeah? books on culture, uh-huh. society, fiction, nonfiction, Graphic novels. <laughs> Not, yet. <laughs> Not, yet. Not yet. Not yet. We're working on that. <laughs> uh, but it, it, nothing is, this, in a sense, off the table because anything that is kind of relevant to our society has to be relevant to the church of as course. well. So we have to yeah. be able to, to engage those, those ideas and, and talk about them. Yeah. Uh, but the first season which uh, kicks off Sunday, yeah, May, May 15th, 15th yeah. uh, at 8.30 is uh, for one example is a book by David Gibson called Finding Jesus, mm-hmm. Faith fact forgery yes. so really intriguing but yes. essentially david looks at six holy objects things like the shroud of turin okay um the gospel of mary magdalene you know Ooh. dun 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 yes um the bones of john the baptist okay. that apparently showed up in bulgaria in 2010 i mean so he looks at these holy objects and mm-hmm. he says whether or not we can prove that they're authentic what do they tell us about the historical jesus okay yeah. And that's something that people are fascinated by, yeah, Catholics and non-Catholics. Yeah. So it's those kinds of books uh that uh are intriguing to a wide audience that I try to uh, to feature. But we also do books on spirituality. We also do um uh, books like really practical books like we did a book on how to kind of rebuild a parish. Yeah, like if your if right. your parish is kind of like, yeah, you know, in right. the, in stuck in the mud, what can you do to really bring it back to life? Yeah. Uh so Everything is kind of on the table, but we hope that it's going to be both, uh, you know, relevant for people and also readable, something yeah. that they can pick up. So That's good. Anyway. Those two words are important, relevant and readable.
0: Anyway, all that information is on the website. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit about this with us today. It's always good to find out who is doing what here at Salt and Light because <laughs> uh, everybody's running around busy doing something. Um, so thank you for letting us know what you're up to.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. I hope, uh, hope our listeners tune in.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, That was Sebastian Gomes. You can listen to him on this program every week on his segment Connect 5, but he is also the producer and host of the new Salt and Light TV series, Subject Matters, which, as he says, uh, as he said, airs every Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. That's beginning this Sunday, May 15th, and that first program features the book by David Gibson. He's the author of Finding Jesus, Faith, Fact, Forgery, and you can learn more at the website, saltandlighttv.org slash subject matters here now is our featured artist of the week Maria Pineda with Only For Today from her album Build On Rock
2: Only for today I seek to live this day with the sun on my shoulders Only for today I'll give you all my cares and leave to you all my words. i oh.
0: was Maria Pineda with Only For Today from her album Build On Rock. Now, Maria Pineda is of Mexican descent, but she was born in Chicago. But, of course, she lived in Mexico for part of her upbringing as, a, as an adolescent. Maria belongs to the Vervum Dei Missionary Fraternity Community, which is an international community that was founded in Spain. And she has been living in Sydney, Australia now for 25 years. She's also the Catholic chaplain at the University of Wollongong. To tell us more, and because of the time difference, I spoke with Maria Pineda earlier this week. Maria, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
3: Thank you very much for inviting me. I,
0: I, I have to tell you that I love saying Wollongong. Wollongong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wollongong. Wollongong.
0: Okay, see, I mispronounced it. There you go. That's a great name um, <laughs> at the in, in Sydney. Now, tell me, tell me a little bit about growing up. What was it growing up? You were born in Chicago. Your parents are Mexican. Yes. Mexican and then you yes. as, a, as a teenager you moved back to Mexico what was it like growing up in, in, in your household
3: I grew up in a very um, Catholic environment yeah. my parents are very religious especially my father and uh, I grew up in Chicago with a lot of snow yes as you can imagine yes blizzard out many times from going to school and I have five sisters one brother uh huh and I just remember a very joyful uh, upbringing. I think what's most striking about my childhood was that I, I had parents that were very loving, and they always encouraged us to do the best that we can, but they never really kind of pushed us or forced us to do right. anything, you know. Um, so one of the things that I explored was... I I mean, as I said, I was already, my parents are religious. Yeah. And so I grew up with this sense of God in my life through them.
4: Right. And of
3: generosity. My parents were quite poor when they migrated to Mexico. And also that also gave me um, a realization that not everyone um, has what they need. Right. So, and... I always saw a spirit of generosity in my household. Right.
0: Can I just stop you for a second? So your parents, they were born in Mexico and they moved to the States. You were born in Chicago yes. and then they moved back to Mexico.
3: Yes, yes, yes. that's right. And my Yes, my father, when we were growing up, when we were already in our adolescence, my father mm, considered that it wasn't a very... My father didn't like the thought of his girls uh continuing right. stay in Chicago. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yes.
3: And especially more for the religious sense. Yeah. I think he wanted us to grow in an environment more in our adulthood, uh where we could have more um more spiritual kind of environment, a different yeah. culture. Interesting. Was and, that not
0: difficult for you? I mean, I imagine being 15 years old, you have all your friends, you're used to living in the United yes. States, and then your parents just uproot you. Yes. You must have actually, not been it happy. Was very,
3: very difficult was for it? all of us. And that move actually made me lose a bit of my faith in God. Really? <laughs> which is interesting.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But later, in, I realized how much my father really loved. Loved us and loved me to really care for our spiritual well welfare. Yeah, that he sought something better for us, perhaps not materially um, as much. Yeah, as we of could course. Have had,
0: of course, of course. And then, as an as a young adult or an adult, you moved back to the states. You were in Texas, right? Yes. And then, yes. That's... So tell me about 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 meeting this this. Community Verbum Dei.
3: Yes, I was living in San Antonio at the time, and um, just saving some money because I wanted to go to university. Yeah, study special education, mm-hmm. and where I was living at was a college run by sisters, uh-huh. um, a Mexican community. Yeah, uh, but at this college, um, the Verbum Dei sisters missionaries were coming regularly. To give um, to have some groups, or yeah. were tra- starting to um, they were just initiating in San Antonio, and so they were coming uh, weekly on a weekly basis to meet the girls there yeah. and to see if they could start groups.
4: Mm-hmm. I see. So this
3: was my first encounter with them, so and they were the first ones who really introduced me to. Um, a personal relationship with Christ. Right. Uh, I was lapsed at the time that I met them. Okay, I was twenty-one. Yeah, I, I was a lapsed Catholic um, because of that period of right, um, kind of blaming God yes. for my change of life yes. and you know this woe is me period mm-hmm. of my life. Um, but in that moment that I met them, I was actually considering. I was missing God in my life, and I was considering returning back to my faith.
0: Interesting, interesting. uh, So they introduced
3: me more to the prayer with the Word of God, something that I was not familiar with, even though I had attended Catholic school.
0: Yeah, I know, but yeah, Catholics are not it's a little better now, but not always very well known for for praying with the word, although we do pray with the word a lot, especially at Mass. So you decided to I guess you felt called to join the community as a as a consecrated single or how does that work? Consecrated?
3: yes. Um, I when I started to pray, and I wasn't really that familiar with the scriptures, but I just started spending more time in with Jesus, yeah. there was a chapel and i would just spend time and i actually just contemplating the cross jesus on the cross i i really experienced this these words um i need you yeah from the cross jesus from the cross saying to me i need you of course i turned around in the chapel yeah. thinking it was someone else
4: yes you know
3: is it me you know of uh, of course that that kind of doubting that he's even speaking to me, mm-hmm. you know. But it was um, it was clearly him speaking to me. Afterwards, I realized it. And um, then, of course, I, I went to a retreat, a month retreat. Mm-hmm. And this month retreat was actually in Colombia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went to Colombia. Nice.
4: Um,
3: on the outskirts of Bogota yeah. uh, to do this month retreat with our founder, yeah. Our founder is still alive. Okay, and he guided me um, when I would talk to him. I wasn't used to the silence, and of course, and I wasn't used to um, praying.
4: <laughs> yeah. So
3: he actually guided me through the month and invited me to to try and write a lot, and and just sharing with him about my prayer during that month really helped me, right. and it just confirmed that. This is calling me.
0: That was that was it. Um, would, yes. Was any of Were you writing music at the time? Where does Where does the music come in?
3: The music. Uh, I was actually at that time on the retreat. It's, um, my the founder, or founder, invited me not to play the guitar. Ah. And he said, leave the guitar aside for a while. Yes. And the writing of music, um, usually, is after retreats after prayer yes and um and also experiences mm, sometimes I'm not able to put into expression what I see what mm-hmm. or or things that have happened, or it's something that the music, when I'm able to just pray and find some kind of response through the Word of God, through right. being with jesus um something happens inside like a kind of movement this encounter with Jesus yes and then afterwards um not during the time of prayer but after then i take up the guitar and i and i write the song or and then i work on it you know a few days or right and sometimes i really believe that it's the encounter with Jesus that Helps me write music because some songs just come out. Yeah,
0: of course. That I think that that happens to a lot of people. So does now that you're, uh, I guess you've been, you're quite the seasoned uh, 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 community member here with Vervum Dei. You're a chaplain at yes. the university. Does do you use the music as as ministry? Is that part of the yes. ministry that the community does in Sydney?
3: Yes, yes, it does, and it's always been a part from the beginning of my vocation. Yeah. Um, Interesting enough, I thought it was something I was going to be giving up, but I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't that way at all.
4: Yeah, interesting.
3: You know, it's like when Jesus called a fisherman and he said, "You will be fishers of people." Yeah, you know, yeah. they're still fishing.
0: Yes. Yeah, for sure.
3: So a, a bit the same with the music. You'll yeah. be, you'll still be singing and you'll still be playing, but it's going to be for Jesus, you know.
4: Right. Right. Not and for I,
3: myself, but for Jesus, of for course, others to of get course. to know Him through that way. So yes, I, I am for a long time been using this ministry of music through music. Um, so the actual composing is from the relationship with Jesus. And then working with a lot of musicians is a way of drawing yeah. people in, also into getting to know Jesus that's a lot true. more. Yeah. So that's always been a part. And then when you're actually delivering the songs, be it in a concert, or be it in, in retreat, the parish, yeah, or, yeah. I usually have been playing in parishes, providing the music. There's, it's always been there. Yeah, so it's, there's different ways, avenues that it's just been ways of introducing people. It's a means, mm-hmm. and then the second step is well, how you know the connection with them, and then through that connection, then as well more right. conversation, and then. Gradually bringing them to a closer relationship, or if they're lapsed an right. interest,
4: yeah
0: yeah, music is always
3: in that desire,
0: yeah, that's great. music is always a good way, uh, Maria, we have to leave it there, but thank you yes. for sharing as, sharing your music with us today, sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do, and particularly sharing uh with us about verbum day i'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of Verbum day but it's a community that is dedicated to the word if you i mean Verbum day, the word of God. Um, yes. That it's about the word. And uh, so I'm sure people can find it. Well, we're going to give information, but even if you're in the United States or in Canada, you can learn about Verbum Day. Just look it up Verbum Day, D E I, Day, God, the word of God. Thank you, yes. Maria. And the
3: music is also available yes. through the iTunes.
0: Okay, okay.
3: If you punch in Under Construction.
0: Okay, Under um, Construction is the name of your uh, music ministry, yes.
3: Yes, Under Construction, Verbum Day Missionary Fraternity, or Maria Pineda things
0: can pop up. Okay, good. So we will put all that information on our website. Maria, thank you so much. Um Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day. As we end our day here in Canada, you're starting your day in Australia. <laughs> yes, we're just starting. All right.
3: Thank you very much. God
0: bless. Thank you. You can learn more about Maria Pineda and Verbum Day in Australia. If you're in Australia, go to verbumdayaustralia.com, but you can also look Vervum Verbum Day anywhere. V-E-R-B-U-M, Verbum Day D-E-I, we're going to put those links on our website so you can find it easily and for Maria's music ministry you can find them on Facebook and as she said on iTunes look for Under Construction Under Construction is the name of the group Under Construction, Vervum Dei Missionary Fraternity and uh, Maria spoke to us from her home in Sydney, Australia earlier this week. Here now is Maria Pineda with the title track of her album Build on Rock From the
2: depths of my you call out and say build your life in me the rock life guarantee
0: listening to maria pineda with build on rock from her album of the same name this is a special edition of the salt and light hour i'm deacon pedro check out our website at saltandlighttv.org hello and welcome to the salt and light hour part two i'm deacon pedro the Faithful Traveller is a travel series unlike any other since it focuses on sacred sites around the world. It is produced by husband and wife team David and Diana von Glan. The first broadcast was on EWTN in 2010, where the show explored shrines in the eastern United States. Then between 2011 and 2014, Diana and David produced The Faithful Traveller in the Holy Land. That same year, they began production for another Holy Land series, this one focusing on papal travels to the Holy Land. And that three-part series is now airing on various Catholic networks around North America and will be airing on Salt and Light TV this month. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Diana von Glahn. Diana, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
5: Thank you for having me, Deacon.
0: So tell me, how did this idea of the faithful traveler begin originally?
5: Well, I am a cradle Catholic, and my husband is a convert. Uh and. So uh, as we were dating, you know, I was introducing him to the beautiful things of our, our church. We, we started dating in New York City, and yeah. um, as we were planning our honeymoon, um, I started planning a mixture of both, you know, Catholic travel and touristy travel. Okay. And we were watching a lot of the travel channel at the time, and, and we started talking, like, wouldn't it be great if there was a, a television show that was as good as what we saw on the travel channel, but that went to Catholic places, you know, and right. then didn't talk about Catholics like we were crazy, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> because yes. sometimes they yes. do go to Catholic places, but they like gloss over things, yes. or they're like, yes. yeah, supposedly this happened here. And yes. So um, when we went on our honeymoon, we just kind of, you know, pretended like we were on TV. And then uh, we came back, and we <laughs> thought, you know what, let's do this ourselves. So it was just around the time that um you know prosumer equipment started coming out where it was it was a good quality but it wasn't too expensive and so we bought some equipment and we taught ourselves how to use it. Wow. And um and then the you know we started producing series and as you mentioned our first series was in the United States. We kind of stuck close to home. Um so you know, we both have full-time jobs, which is how we pay for the series, and so we, um, you know, we didn't have wow. a lot of money to spend. Okay,
0: so I was going to ask you about that. So you're yeah. not filmmaker, like you're not you're not like filmmakers. This is not your profession necessarily. You are doing this as a side project.
5: Yeah, I was wow. an English major, and I have a law degree. Uh, yeah. You know, and David, David actually did study. Um, he studied production at Syracuse's um, school. Yeah. But he studied back when they used film. Yes. Things have changed. Yes. Touched it. Um, but, you know, the world is very different. So yeah. we had to learn. I taught myself, like, I didn't know any of this stuff. Um, but, you know, for me, it's essentially just storytelling. And yes. as a cradle Catholic, it's just telling the stories about our faith that, you know, I have grown up knowing. So it's very easy for me. Um, and I actually, I, I love doing this stuff because it's just, we have such a beautiful—we yeah. have so many beautiful traditions and so many beautiful places in our church, and so I love sharing them with people.
4: Of
0: course. Now, it, it's, uh, it seems to me that it's more than just a little hobby that you do a TV show, but it feels like ministry at some level. There's a mission to what you're doing.
5: Well, our mission is really to share— um, the beautiful things about our church, to encourage people to visit these places, Uh because, you know, if people don't go, they close down. And, I mean, we just learned about this yesterday here in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, the National Shrine of St. Catherine Drexel announced that they were going to be selling the shrine, because, you know, they can't afford to keep it open. And, And that's kind of what we try to do, is we try to tell people, look, we have these beautiful places here in the United States and around the world, and if we don't go visit them, then they will close down, because, you know, it takes money to run things.
0: Uh-huh. So, yeah. Wow. So then the original series you mentioned was f- focusing on shrines in the eastern United States.
5: Yes, eastern because we live in the Philadelphia yes. area. So, you know, we drove everywhere and right. we, we stayed close to home. But we went to places like um, New York City's St. Patrick's Cathedral and the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart in Newark, New Jersey. We visited four of the five shrines here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We went down to Baltimore and visited some places. And originally our goal was to tell people, you can go on pilgrimage in your own backyard. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go to the Holy Land. You don't have to go to Rome. You can go to New York City or Philadelphia or, you know, and there are so many beautiful sacred sites, yes. you know, around the world in Canada and in and in the United mm-hmm. States and, you know, that people can go to. So that's what, what our original goal was. Um, and then we got invited to the Holy Land. <laughs> yes, tell me about that. I was going to ask you about
0: that. How did you end up doing the pap- the, the Holy Land, the Faithful Traveler in the Holy Land?
5: Well, we thought around the time that the show was going to die, because, you know, everybody wanted more, but producing a travel show is expensive, expensive, and nobody could help us pay for it. Mm-hmm. So we were just kind of praying and thinking, okay, well, that's it. And uh, and then we were—the Archdiocese of Philadelphia had organized um, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land with Cardinal Regali, who was yes. our, um, our archbishop at the time. And mm-hmm. the company that organized it, Select International Tours, wanted to hire someone to document it. Ah. And so they contacted us, and I said— you know look i i have a television series and you know we can kind of put two and two together and Perfect. so that was how the series was created we filmed the pilgrimage um we had never done anything like that before and it was very um it was crazy yeah, <laughs> but of course. it was fun and it was a it was such a blessing to be yeah. in the holy land
0: so then how did the the papal pilgrimage edition come about
5: Well, then the Israel Ministry of Tourism saw our Holy Land series, and they thought it was really great, and they, um, you know, the the Holy Father was planning his pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and the ministry reached out to us and said, you know, would you like to film the Holy Father? And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I I can't afford it. (laughs) And they they sponsored us. Um, So the Israel Ministry of Tourism sponsored our trip to Israel, the Jordan Tourism Board sent us to Jordan.
0: Sorry, that's when Benedict
5: was going? No, that's when Holy, Pope, uh, Pope, Francis Pope Francis was in, two, in May of 2014. So just,
0: re- yeah, okay.
5: Yeah, did I say Benedict? Sorry. No, no, no,
0: you didn't. I was just trying to f- figure out which pope we were talking about. Oh, yeah. No, yeah.
5: just the recent pope. Yes. Um, and so then we had some friends in Bethlehem who sponsored our trip there. And so okay. we spent some time out in the Holy Land kind of documenting that, that, that uh, experience.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Now, you have obviously had already been to the Holy Land. You'd already done your pilgrimage. It's not the same doing a pilgrimage when you're trying to film stuff. But how was it exploring the Holy Land, looking at it through the lens of a papal
4: visit?
5: It was, it. <laughs> I, ha, you know, we don't normally follow events, so it was very unusual for right. us to do. Um, I, you know, we're not journalists, like we don't follow the big things. So it was a big learning experience for yes. me to see what these people go through, and I, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to do it again because it was just crazy. Um, it was fun. It was very exhilarating, but there is a lot of planning and a lot of stuff that has to happen beforehand to get access to all of these things, and. Um, but you know, it, it was such a historic, monumental event, um, and we felt very blessed to be able to, you know, to document parts of it.
0: Right. So, for people who are interested in watching this new three-part series, what is the focus? Because you're not, are you just following the, the Pope Francis' visit, or is it or is it more to what you're looking at?
5: It's a little bit. We did three things with the show because, like I said, we weren't we weren't able to follow everything that the Holy Father yeah. did. Um, we went to two of his events. The papal mass in Bethlehem, yes. and then the presidential visit at um, Shimon Perez's house. Yes, wow. But, um, so what we did was, first we co- we tried to explain why the Holy Father was there.
4: Mm-hmm. He was
5: commemorating the 50th anniversary of Pope Paul VI's yeah. uh, visit with Athenagoras uh, 50 years ago. Yes. So we wanted to explain what that was all about, um, why it was important. We wanted to talk about the history of papal pilgrimages, the fact that um, since St. Peter left the Holy Land, it took, like, You know, 1,950 years later (laughs) for another pope to go back to the Holy Land, so that's kind of crazy. Yes. And then we wanted to talk about, you know, Pope Paul, Pope Saint John Paul II's visit, Pope Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis's. We wanted to visit some of the sites that they all visited and explain what was there and why they were important. And then we wanted to meet some of the people who live in the Holy Land to tell people here, you know, that life in the Holy Land out there is not is not what the news portrays. Yes. Um, You know that it's, it's actually pretty normal. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. So yes. we wanted to encourage people to visit as well.
0: Great. So it's a little bit travel show, a little bit history channel, a little bit meeting living stones in the Holy Land, and a little bit papal journey.
5: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: good. So um, thank you for sharing about it with us today. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And I hope that it's the Year of Mercy, so I'm sure that you're doing uh, working on the travel show going through Doors of Mercy. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I wish I could. But you know what? We're actually working on... Um, we're work, our next series is going to be on the sacred sites in Portugal. Oh, And we've nice. got the 100th anniversary of Our Lady of Oh, of, of course, next up. year,
4: yeah.
0: Oh, yes. good. Well, maybe I'll come with you.
5: Oh, that would be great. Be we've fun. got a pilgrimage in, in June of next year. Oh, um beautiful. You know, the, it's yes. going to be crazy, and they're very excited to welcome pilgrims from around the world. Yes,
0: they are. Okay, well, we're looking forward to, to seeing the result of that. Diana, thank you for what you're doing, and uh, good luck with the rest of uh, your production.
5: Thank you so
0: much. Diana von Glan is the producer and host of the Faithful Traveler series, a series that she created and produced with her husband, David. You can learn more about the Faithful Traveler and the new series, A Papal Pilgrimage in the Holy Land, at their website, thefaithfultraveler.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Father Robert Gallia, with the title track of his newest album, Something About You.
6: There's something about you That comes my weary soul There's something about you Chills me from the cold There's something about you That changes everything There's something about you
0: That was Father Robert Gallia with something about you from his album of the same name. Last we heard from Father Rob Gallia about a year ago, he was working on an acoustic album, which we've been listening to, and also on a dance album. Father Rob has been making music and working with young people in Australia for many years. We met him first during World Youth Day in Sydney in 2008. In the last year, as well as working with Stronger, which is the diocesan youth program, and writing and recording music, he was also a participant on the popular reality TV program X Factor. So it's good to have connected with Father Rob while he was in California in February in 2016. Father Rob, so good to have you back on the program.
7: And so good to be here. I always love and look forward to meeting up with the and speaking to the Salt and Light crew.
0: Yes, I know, and and we always think, you know, it's telephone. I could call you in Australia, but the time difference just doesn't work for me. So it's good that you're in North America, so that at least we can uh, we can be in more or less on the same time zone.
7: Exactly. Yeah, That's, it's fantastic. Fantastic to be here. Okay. So
0: Cause... last time you uh, and you actually were here in the Salt and Light studio with me, but last time we spoke, you were working on a dance album or doing some dance remixes of some of your songs and i never heard anything else so what happened with that
7: yes so i've been working on a few tracks um with a record company called uh, called the ministry of sound they're a big uh, australian-based company international company um i got um i've recorded about five or six tracks so far but the problem with dance or edm music is that it dates so quickly ah,
4: so yes. um i
7: sit in the studio i go there i work on some tracks i record music by the time i get to release it after some tour or another the producer says Nah, it's the beats are out of date we have to start again
4: that's amazing and i
7: just keep missing the boat like that so i've released two songs so far but they're more light they're lighter than dance tracks
0: right so and are these songs that you're writing specifically for this style or are you remixing some of your your previous compositions
7: so I have one song that I've written purposely for um, for, for a, a dance track, and yeah. um, that will be released in North America in April. It's it's ready and has been released in, in Australia.
4: Yeah.
7: Um, but uh, I'll release that in America and um, Canada just as I suppose late April. So that's that's written um, literally. It's for nightclubs. So it's it's a song about. Uh, The song is called Breakthrough, and it's a song about persevering in prayer. Uh And I'm just looking forward, I suppose, to seeing or hearing of teenagers in clubs dancing to this music. Um, And I think it's a a beautiful, profound prayer. Yeah, um,
0: that's fascinating because, uh, I mean, I remember you telling me about this uh, and me thinking, yeah, wouldn't it be great, you know, kids in the nightclub and they're maybe dancing to this and not realizing, or maybe they do realize, I don't know, if they listen to the lyrics, they might not realize that they're actually praying. Yeah. Which kind of cool. Now, um, so that's Breakthrough, and the other one you said was, uh, is, uh, well, you told me earlier, Alive? It, yes, is so I,
7: what I did uh, was I released, uh, also in Australia, um, but it's uh, available on iTunes uh, around North America too, um, a song called Alive. And there's an acoustic version of the song and a remix version. Right. And, and the remix version was released on radio stations around Australia.
0: Right, and that it's the same purpose. You're hoping that they play it in a nightclub, or is it? It's,
7: it's not as hard. It's not, it's as, not as hard as a nightclub music, but it's it's sort of, um, sort of kind of a dance track that you would dance to in say, so to speak, in the car while you're driving.
0: Interesting, interesting. Now the other thing that I and I, I know because I I mean we keep in touch, but so you were in the X Factor in in That's Australia. Right. So for people yeah, so it's so just quickly for people in Canada and in North America that maybe don't know what the X Factor is
1: can yeah. you tell us
7: So the X Factor is a a show that airs across America and um, Australia yeah. and it's a it's a show which gathers talent so people sort of audition to them, you know like you have the uh, the MasterChef and yes. all, all these shows which talk about uh, about talent but this is focused on music so you go there and they look for a person who has the x factor something that ah. maybe no one else has something that is that is marketable something that is sellable in a sense
4: uh-huh.
7: and um that's something that can impact the lives of people and so this is what i did i i went for the audition in in a big auditorium um, <laughs> five thousand people and just the audition then i got got through i got five there are five judges i got five yeses from all the judges. Yeah. And I did the boot camp. I did the really? the series, the 2015 series. But a quarter of the way through, I decided to leave the show. Uh-huh. I wasn't kicked out of it. I just decided to leave. And I think it would come simply from the fact that I was surrounded by people who had just had so much talent and were so amazing, but they all wanted something more. Mm -hmm. they all wanted to be more they all were dissatisfied in a sense with whom whom they were and i started to think about this now i'm I'm not like this i love being a priest i Mm -hmm. love serving god through youth ministry i love touring i love what i do i don't need anything more Mm -hmm. and so i asked the judges on television i asked them um, if it was okay that I leave, and I I left the show yeah a quarter of the way
0: through. Well, well can I ask you a couple things about that? Because I mean, I got ten thousand questions. So first yeah. of all, how did you? I mean, do you you needed permission from your bishop to go and, and audition for the show?
7: Yeah, yes, I I rather than there's no law that says those. Priests auditioning for the X Factor <laughs> must seek permission. But no, I but I mean, you're, that's not I your... did seek permission before I went on national television. I just informed the bishop. I said, "This is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think?" And he supported me all the way. the The national bishops' conference supported me.
0: And so, were you thinking that it would be? This is an opportunity to evangelize. Absolutely, uh,
7: yeah. absolutely. You see, um, I, I suppose all around the world, the the priesthood is. And the ca- castle, uh, Catholic, the Catholic priesthood in yeah. particular uh, is just seen um, a, a, in such a negative light. And for, I think it was just a beautiful, small impact for the church and for, for Australia to see the priest somehow yeah. uh, out of that negative light, out of the negative press.
0: Absolutely. And, and when you were doing the boot camp, I mean, you, you said that all the other contestants were searching. I mean, what That's a great right. opportunity for you to... Did you end up having to do some priestliness? Yeah. You know, every
7: day was. Yeah. A, i I lived there for about four weeks, and That's every great. day was was an opportunity to to evangelize. Yeah. there There were all types of of people on the show. There were transvestites. There were and people who had religious conviction. There were people who um, lived all sorts of li- lifestyles. And yeah. I took every opportunity. And I was wearing my collar throughout the, the yeah. show, and people were coming asking me. Some people didn't know what it was. Well, right. why are you you dressed like this? Why are you in fancy dress? And, and so I, it gave me so much opportunity to speak about the faith. Right. And just before... We went on on show on for our next competition one after the other. I would always say, I lift my hand, I say, "Listen, guys, I'm going to that corner and I'm going to pray. Huh. Anyone want to join me? Can join me." And That's we'd have great. prayer meetings and we'd have prayer. Um, people who. All, of all walks of life would gather together and pray and turn to God before they went for this that's, competition, that's and great. it was wonderful—a great opportunity.
0: That's great. So I know that okay, that that's unusual, but uh, that's uh, great that you were able to do that. You're still touring. I know that you you're going to be in, you're in North America now, but you're going to be in Europe, in India. I know you're going to Krakow World Youth Day. I hope to see you there. Um, okay. You continue. You are the priest in charge of youth ministry in your diocese, correct? That's right. So is that your main focus now, the music and the youth ministry?
7: Yes. So I I focus on our our youth ministry, which is called Stronger Youth,
4: uh-huh.
0: and
7: I minister to uh, to teenagers. So I I spend most of my time visiting schools, evangelizing. So I see myself sort of as a kind of evangelist, where I go right. around and I speak about the love of God. I get to speak to about two hundred thousand teenagers every year. Um, in our schools, particularly in and, and, um, the major parts across Australia. Uh-huh. So it's um, a great, uh, it's a just a great privilege, so humbling. And and uh, honestly, whenever I say this, I'm just, I'm moved because I, I just look just 10, 15 years back where I was such an introvert, a shy yeah. person and a, a depressed person and an ang- anxious person. And mm-hmm. today I get to do this and to give hope.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely. And, and I guess it, it's a perfect match with your music, too, that you can use the music right. and your witness and you have a great story and you're reaching young people. So does that mean that you're not in a parish or you're also as well in a parish?
7: I am in a parish, so I live in a parish. And on, on the weekends, I serve right. um, mass and I celebrate mass every day. And and even sort of I, I carry a ma- masket wherever I go. Yes, so yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I, I do. I am part of, based in a parish, and I supply and help there whenever, whenever right. I'm around.
0: Okay. Now, the last. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your last album, the acoustic album, something about you. Yeah. Um, beautiful album, and we've been listening to some music from that from that album uh, during the show. But uh, what's new? What's next for you? Anything else coming down the pipes?
7: So I'm here, um, in California at the moment at the Ari. I'm um, L.A. Congress, and yes. I'm, I'm working here, and I'm also working with some publishers, hopefully to work on some kind of curriculum for schools. Oh, yeah. This is in my, in my, on my heart at the moment, you know, just to, to bring the faith alive, even during religious education classes during schools, particularly in Catholic schools. And I'm just trying to think of ways, and creative and musical and video and audio, just ways to, to connect the, what they are learning to their own personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So this is the area I'm working on now, again, evangelization through um, curriculum.
0: Okay, that's exciting, actually. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that once it, it develops. Uh, so good to talk to you, Rob. Um, uh, sorry that I'm going to miss you when you're in Canada, but uh, but I know that you're going to come back, so we'll, we'll try to connect. And who knows, maybe, I'll, well, I'll see you in Krakow, but maybe I'll see you in Australia yeah, One day. Absolutely. All You're right. always welcome. Thank you. Okay, take care. God bless.
7: You too. Thank you.
0: That was a conversation I had with Father Rob Galia earlier this year. You can learn more about Father Rob at his website, fatherrobgalia.com. And I spoke to him in February 2016. Here now is Father Rob with that uh, new dance single he was telling us about, Breakthrough. Listening to Father Rob Gallia with his new dance single, Breakthrough. And that concludes this special edition of the Salton Light Hour. Remember to visit us at slash radio and write to me at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening.